regards to contemplation, how do you, how to contemplate death and sickness? Well, he's just uh, death. Bring it to mind every day. It's a good practice. To the end of the day means death means there's no future, which is great. <laughs> no more bills to pay. <laughs> So, you know, contemplation means you take a topic like that and you place it into your into your mind and just imagine. So, so chitta is kind of, is imaginative, it's um, it's got this quality to it, brings up images and memories and, and impressions. So, you know, so you can, sometimes it's good practice lying down. I haven't really talked about reclining practice, but get the sense of just imagine you're looking back through your life and those, it's like you're looking out the back window of a car and all the events are passing away behind you and you just let them go, let them go, let them go. And then you come to today and you let go of the morning and you let go of the afternoon and you gradually get closer and closer. And then you look around and you, this is let this go uh, and see what's there. Is anything hanging on? Stuck? Worry about other people? Children? Brother? Husband? Wife? Yeah, well, it's not easy, but uh, they'll manage. <laughs> you know, you have to let them go. So, it's, you know, so you get to these places where we, we get feel quite hold on. And uh, that's what it's for. It's to, it's to show you the places where you where you hold on, and then the, you have to keep bringing your your awareness to those places, and just keep saying, "Look, you have to. You have to learn to let this go. It's not yours. You can't have it. Yeah. You can't have it. It's not yours. It never was yours." Yeah. And thank, be thankful that you had some of it, but you can't have it all the time, forever. So you're just bringing yourself to just time and time again, and just loosening the grip, body, yeah. even the ability to see these faculties. What would it be like without this? What would it be? Out? So the, there's the senses closed down. Death. Just imagine. Close your eyes, imagine what it's like not being able to see anymore. No future. And so these naturally, there's a certain shock in all this that the mind doesn't want to know about, but you just keep doing it every day, bringing it back. And the important thing to counterbalance what we're losing is to recognize what's, what's left, you know, when all that goes. And your jitta is left, sense of so you encourage the jitta with gratitude, with forgiveness for anything, with gratitude to, to people, with forgiveness for people who had difficulties with, for um, coming, making peace with your own life. So it's, this is helpful. And if you do it every day, it's a good uh, preparation because we will come to that time. And so it's good to have a few, many dress rehearsals to get through to practice with that till it becomes established in the citta 
and there are certain long-term you know effects that we learn also in our life don't pick things up too hard because you know you're gonna it's gonna go <laughs> yeah so if you keep this in mind you're also aware when you pick something up you've got this for a while that's all it's just on loan <laughs> yeah it's on loan so thank you very much use it wisely skillfully prepare to let it go so it helps you to live more lightly so yes it does program the mind or deprogram the mind from its belief in permanence belief in selfhood any ideas of ourself you know, our ability to control life our ability to hold and own things it's, it's an illusion so you what's called the vipalasas or the it turn, the inversions of the mind is to one of them is to imagine things are permanent when they're not. Things are self, belong, own, control when they're not. We can't own, have, control. We have a certain ability to cling. We're quite good at that. <laughs> and claim we own, we can do that. But actually, life has a way of proving us wrong. So very important, what can you own? Well, it says, I am heir to my karma, born of my karma. Karma is my what I will own. I can't avoid it, actually. So make it good. Cultivate good karma. That, that's what goes with you. Purify the chitta, that's what goes with you. So it's the, death is not a full stop. It's a, it's a comma. It's a pause in the <laughs> you know, next page. Next, end of chapter, turn over, <laughs> next page, <laughs> new chapter, new book, but same same thing. Mm. Contemplation of the body, feeling, mind and Dhamma. And is it correct that knowing how the body feels, contemplation of body, knowing pleasant, unfeeling, contemplation of feeling, knowing the emotion, how it feels, contemplation of mind, how do we contemplate the Dhamma? I didn't quite get the Russian doll analogy that I used. Well, congratulations for remembering it. <laughs> so it's just that these things all sit inside mindfulness of the body. With mindfulness of the body, you're aware of the body. Then because the body's affected by feeling, you're aware of feeling. Because mental feeling affects bodily feeling, you're aware of mental feeling. Um, using the framework of the body, you've got something to be able to contemplate mind states as they arise because if you're not established in that mind states easily blow your way um, you get you get lost in them but you know with mindfulness of body you have a way of steadying mind states and uh, as I've been talking about you know these are remember the mind states are not the mind is the mind states the third foundation or the first is knowing how the, the mind affected by affected by greed, affected by joy, affected by happiness, affected by unhappiness, and so how the mind is affected. So we're looking at mind states are effects. It's like, you know, you have a imagine an analogy of a pond and the mind states are the ripples. Now are the ripples of the pond, well yeah, but the pond can also not have ripples. <laughs> Yeah, so it's knowing how the chitta is rippling and the ripples themselves are 
that's what they are. They're nothing solid. They're nothing that you can really hold on to. But they do create a lot of reverberations. So knowing it is accessing the knowing capacity of the citta, the wisdom capacity of the citta. Now that, that wisdom capacity arises when one, is, when one is established in the body. Because the quality of the body gives a, a foundation for calm and steadiness and uh, clearing hindrances and then the knowing becomes clear. When the knowing quality of citta becomes clear. So it's not the case that you can't contemplate citta within the body because um, citta is associated with the body. We can contemplate um, ill will in relationship to how it affects our bodies, how it affects our energies and so forth. So I've tried to indicate the relationship between citta and body in the experience of samadhi. So that's the domain to work within. I would suggest that the four establishments of mindfulness are, are best cultivated um, within samadhi, within a, a jhana, first jhana, where you can sense how all those factors are, can, or the body and the mental factors are connected. I don't know if this makes sense to you, but, uh, you know, because we keep thinking the body is this thing you see, and that, that is a visual perception of a body if you contemplate the body in the body the body with reference to the body it's a very different experience the body in the body is called a a a fine material form it's a subtle quality it doesn't have the same shape it's got a may take a subtle shape like generally something quite spherical or has a certain mm, radiant quality to it certain gentle substance to it it's not it's not the same as coarse material form which is quite hard it's um, quite soft and in that domain you can experience chitta experience the mind because mind again is not the thought the mind is just this sensitivity chitta is this sensitivity and it connects to this inner body there, like they run together. This is how, what samadhi means. It means unification. It's unification of the chitta and the body in this domain. And from there, when that becomes settled, the process of, of wisdom becomes what we call insight. That is, you're able to see or experience clearly and dispassionately these arising and passing of, of states of mind, mental mental states, and clear the hindrances. You know, you know, I mean this may just sound like philosophy or jargon, but from my experience that's the best I that's what I can say about it. So when I say you're in the body, I don't mean you're inside a bag of flesh. I mean you're inside that fine, subtle body. You're in, you're within that. Uh, because actually once you begin to understand anatta, not self, it's not that I am sitting inside that. You know, the self is a phenomenon, a series of phenomena created, created phenomena. So you can't really view Dhamma purely from this position and from what, you know, or from I practice it or I enter it. It's just that if we look at existence, 
purely and simply without you know we experience the experience this is what the four establishments do they say you don't experience any person you experience fund at a certain level of of depth you experience bodily experience there's an experience of the feeling quality which is a sense of particular like a current like something that rises and drives it's got a push to it pleasant feeling unpleasant feeling um, there's an experience of emotional reaction to that or emotional formations around that which are called the mind states and there's experience of hindrances congestions tangles clogging there's experience of deepening aspects of truth or skills such as sati mindfulness and rapture joy bliss tranquility these all occur but there isn't somebody there seeing things there isn't somebody there watching it but the knowing there's a sense of as as that experience becomes more steadily held or steadily composes itself this is the fine subtle form and as that steadies itself composes itself there what can i say there's a quality of dispassion and withdrawal it's clear it's not involved it's it doesn't do anything it doesn't try to make anything it doesn't try to go anywhere it's just this sense of knowing arises and first of all it begins to apprehend just the flux and change of all these and then it begins to apprehend things like how things pass how things come to be and through that process um there's clearing of obstacles and the knowing becomes even clearer and does even less <laughs> it's not something i do any more than when when i open my eyes i don't really look it just happens visual consciousness arises so when this subtle quality this um almost what comes out of it is like the sense of well here we go again knowing <laughs> awareness and then the the realm of subtle form is also not something that uh you know has to be established as um and something we own or something is owning or grasping at it's just a useful skillful place that allows the knowing to arise and withdraw from existence maybe that sounds creepy or but actually you know existence in in buddhism means this ongoing process of stuff happening and it just goes on withdrawal from existence doesn't mean going into non-existence it means existence is this is this process of things going on pleasant things unpleasant things mind you know that and after you've had enough of it <laughs> you know if i just use ordinary language it's like it's good nibida you just had enough of it it's you've seen it it's it's the same old show you know it's like watching the same old soap opera but, on a subtle level it's, you it's, you can't really get that interested uh so the, this is the withdrawal it is it's not really aversion it's just it's, it's like so what you know 
it doesn't have any more drama left in it. There's dispassion and nipita or, or um, retirement <laughs> retirement policy. <laughs> so, I mean, this is great, isn't it? All we have to do is retire from existence, <laughs> and then you get the you know. But then, of course, it's extremely. There's no stress in that. There's no push in that. There's nothing to achieve in that. There's no. It doesn't mean you're kind of dead. It just means you've finished. It's finished. Show's over. Or you know, it's still running, but you're not. You're not. There's nothing to be involved with. You know, we we really contemplate, meditate, just how much we get involved with. Oh, you know, thoughts and memories and feelings, and so kind of head up about it all, and excited by it, disappointed by it, and it always seems so much like me. <laughs> I take it all very personally: my urges and instincts, and my feelings and moods, and my sorrows and joys. And you know, yeah, that that's that's. One feels, yeah, you know, oof, I know. Um, but um, it, uh, you know, you you get to have had enough of it. Just through the process of knowing. You know, it's not that you make it even decision, just the process of knowing. It's like, like when you're 40 years old, you've lost your taste for teddy bears, you know. <laughs> Nothing wrong with them, but you've, had, you've done that. You know, you don't don't quite jive to the same old music like you did when you were twenty. You, know, you want to swing around after sixty odd. You think, oh god, <laughs> it's just, it just doesn't hit the buttons anymore. And you can't really rush this process. It's not you've got to get to that state. It because it, it's, it's not it's not negative. You know, it's it's a process of awareness and letting that run its course you know letting that process is maturity it's like you can't grow up quicker than you do i mean you're going up as quick as you can by meditating that's as quick as you can grow up and it's just it takes time it's just like you can't ask your two-year-old kid to run a computer well probably can now <laughs> uh, you know it just takes time to, to before all that that's there and so we have to spend the time Sometimes it's a bit, you know, disappointing. You think, God, surely I should have got out, let go of that one by now. You're still hanging on to something, but it's uh, humbling as well. But this is all great because it's, you know, the more you deeply penetrate it, the less you don't take yourself so seriously and, um, you know, take it, don't like take life personally. So that's that's what insight is about. An insight meditation is quite a, uh, a going system and, and concept. Um, and um, you know, with very pe- sincere practitioners and so forth. And I'm, you know, and I'm sure that there's ways in which one can focus on that. But the word is used rather, rather loosely to mean any kind of inquiry. Well, insight specifically isn't used that much by the Buddha at all. But it really means you're looking into, right into the, the roots of existence. And you, know, you, you can have, it doesn't mean that's the only kind of wisdom that counts. 
and say wisdom is the general category of any way in which we're wise, we discern skillful from unskillful, what's helpful from what's not helpful, and what p- provides us with blessings and what doesn't. That's all wisdom, you know. So you cultivate that, in your, you know, in your meditation. You don't switch it off. And so it should be there. If you're calming down, you become wise about how you're calming down, um, making sure that you stay bright. That's practice. And insight specifically arises through this, and it's a stage, there are stages, and the stages are called um, viveka, which means withdrawal. So we've been cultivating and recommending cultivating that, just the ability to step back. And through that you begin to get a feeling for, hey, all this stuff is changing, you know, things are moving around, anicca. And then you, then there's a sense of dispassion. So that's a development. Now, when somebody's asking me how you follow through, when your mind is calm, you follow through this way, you follow through in terms of contemplating or recognizing the changing, the fluctuating quality of even the fine material realm or the coarse material realm, you know, it's all bobbing along, and you become dispassionate about it. It's a cooling, you know, there's less angle on it. And some of the intensity of it begins to fade. And then through recognizing how any existing thing, any existing phenomena, phenomenon requires input, Generally, that input is something that's so reactive that we don't, we certainly, you know, I'm not doing it, but this, there are, this, um, unawakened chitta keeps jumping in, putting stuff in, getting disappointed. Well, there's an input. Wanting more, there's input. Reacting to it, there's input. And it keeps putting things in to, to the mix. So the mix just keeps, oh, it keeps going. <laughs> It's like we keep stirring, something keeps stirring the water, so the ripples keep moving. And essentially, you know, what you're trying to do first of all is put in good stuff. So at least you, those ripples are nice and smooth. And then you gradually soften and quiet and become more dispassionate. And then particularly there's, a, a, as it, things become more steady, there's a recognition of not having to have input. You don't have to approve or disapprove. You don't have to make it into something. And this is this is what we call the ceasing. Ceasing or niroda. Then phenomena just can melt, you know, because everything depends upon putting stuff in. This is just an it's, you know, it's a subtle point, but it's also uh, an obvious point to cultivate. You know, in in any in our lives. Uh, you know, you, we can, in our thinking minds, we can keep disapproving of them, getting annoyed about them, we can just shut up. <laughs> and step back, and, you know, and stop verbally intruding, stop emotionally intruding on it. And it will tend to quiet, you know, in the long run. So ceasing, and that, that, that's an important word in, in Buddhism. It's niroda. And then wasagya is the sense of release, relinquishing. So that's, that's the sequence. And that becomes possible as the quality of knowing or awareness becomes purer, quieter, more assured. Because generally we are aware 
plus. We're aware and we we react. We see, we notice something and we react, or we're affected by it. And it's just this place where that quality of effect begins to pause, being affected. Because when you're when it's affected, there's a wave, and you begin. The wave arises. It stirs something up. The process goes on, stirs up more, and eventually, you know, the wave arises. It stirs up a little bit less. The wave of affected arises, passes, rises, passes. Doesn't arise. <laughs> this is, um, you know, how we insight is developed. But somebody's asking here. How should I practice so I could have insight? My practice is simply watch without asking why or what. Is it because of practice in this way, so whenever the mind steps back, it is still lacking wisdom? So I relax until the mind is calm, naturally steps back, could see the mind clearly doing its own work. How should I practice so I could have insight? I know it's, it's, it's obviously, it's difficult to put these things in words, but it seems to me there's a sense of self there that is perhaps the piece that you need to be clear about. Who is practicing? Who wants insight? And who says you don't have enough wisdom? Um, what's that? Uh, so that, that, uh, get closer to what's going on. Stepping back and relaxing, yeah, that's good. But remember, it's a bit of a mixture. There's relaxing, the compulsiveness, and then we also handle quite clearly, and it's a sense of clear, precise handling. You step back from the compulsive, habitual reactivity, yeah, that's the relaxing. You also move forward in terms of clear, specific handling as clear and clean as possible with less wavering pressure pushing doubt and it seems there's some doubt here in this as if the handling needs to be more precise again you know it's very difficult to handle things if your mind is tight and clogged up and overburdened so relaxing is part of that release of the burden but you can relax into a place of some inertia. There's not enough engagement, not enough action. Mind just gets too passive. So we handle things specifically, but with dispassion. It's like you focus on breathing or walking, and what's the specific quality of that? Specific. That is, what does it feel? What does it feel like? Why is it like nothing else? One breath is never the same as the next. There's a subtle difference. But you don't have to think too much about it. Just try to get the specific momentary nature of experience. And if breathing is too subtle, then um, just work through the sensations in your body, sweep around your body. When I say specific, it's like, you know, like a fingertip. You feel the textures. No, this slightly rough textures. Now, of course, we can do this with our fingers. How do you get your your mind to do that? So you perhaps ask it questions like, what does it feel like? Is it rough, soft, smooth, bright, long, short? 
you know, tell me about it, tell me about it. This is the encouragement, the spurring of wisdom. Don't just kind of sit there numbing out or feeling relaxed. Engage a little bit. Engage with something you can get direct apprehension of, clarity. So, you know, you can't make insight arise, but this is the ground where it it happens by itself. It begins to arise. Knowing begins to arise. Dependent origination, that's another story. Won't go there tonight. Our practice with mindfulness as a refuge. And uh, how can one strengthen mindfulness in fast-paced, busy city life? Is it possible mindfulness is lost when the mind is functioning at a rate that's much too fast? I notice really challenging to maintain mindfulness when life is busy. Different priorities and demand. The mind seems in overdrive mode, trying to keep with fast-paced life much faster than my own natural pace. <laughs> right, I get the message. <laughs> Help. <laughs> Is can I can I slow down? <laughs> you know, there are certain. <clears throat> I wouldn't ask mindfulness to do everything for you. Uh, there, there's, there's a lot of of, um, of faculties in in the Buddha Dharma. So, first one is just plain heedfulness, vigilance, and um, this must be your first thing. Vigilance means you're on the ball. You're aware. You know this kind of thing is going to happen because you've clearly written it down. So what does it take to break that manic rhythm, that that rushing, or what does it take to come out of that rhythm? And um, I find a little uh, skillful means is to have these 10-second breaks because you can't get an hour of meditation, you can't get 20 minutes of meditation in a day until the end of the day and then the damage is done you know you're already, you're already fried so trying to build in 10 second breaks throughout the day and looking at key points you know you got up took a wash or something and then you're going to have some breakfast well you can fit 10 seconds in there you've had breakfast you're tidying up put things away rush getting ready to get your on the sprint 10 seconds. And in this 10 seconds, stop. Um, you don't expect the mind to stop. But just stop, bodily stop. Relax your gaze, your eyes. Relax the muscles in your face. Relax your hands. Take a deep breath. Breathe out. And in, you might find within that 10 seconds is not a long time. But what it does is it cuts the speed so, for example, you know, you say, okay, it's time to stop. That was it. Not that long, was it? And during that time, you know, you, you might just set the question, what's happening? Where am I? What's happening? Where am I? Oh, I've got to get in a hurry up here. Uh-huh. At least then, then you've got to a platform for mindfulness. You've created a little place. So this is the mind running on. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, don't get involved with it. Okay. So how do we not get involved with that? See, start to question how, you know, 
deliberately slow wherever you can just deliberately put the brakes on wherever you can if you do this steadily like with 10 seconds get to work get out of the car or sit we don't get out of the car because somebody will talk to you again we switch off the ignition 10 seconds where am I what's important now I might be dead in one minute <laughs> whatever you do you need to do to just stop uh, ok what's important well what's important is undo the seatbelt open the door push the door open swing my legs out stand on my feet get up You know, then you, you're establishing a bit of mindfulness of the body get to your workplace you know, hi everybody, da 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 da, coffee break, and 10 seconds. During the work time, see if you can say, oh, I've got to go to the toilet. You get a way to get out. 10 seconds. In. Got to go to the toilet again, feeling, you know. <laughs> Generally, people don't dispute that. They don't want to know if you're going to go to the toilet. So you just say, I've got a toilet break every hour. <laughs> go and have, your, have a minute, you know, really. A couple of minutes, just sit or stand and just breathing out. So you get little places, you, you create these pointer times when you, you know, remember, mindful of the body, not looking for anything too refined, just to come into the body, relax your shoulders, you know, relax your face, feel your feet on the ground, breathing in, breathing out, steady. Okay, what's important? What's, imp- what's really important, the most important thing is to not get rushed by all this momentum. You know, feel it rising, this tremendous panic. You know, the working world is in state of panic, is the norm. Just, man- just about manageable panic. Rushing on to the next thing. Pause. And every time you pause, you, you puncture the myth of panic, the urgency of it. You just keep puncturing it. You can get back to work, do your work. And then as the momentum builds up, find a way you can sneak out. Oh, go, 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 go in the toilet again. What? Six times this hour. <laughs> Better not overdo it. And just, okay, well, that's important. So this helps to, to just give yourself a place, a uh, moment for mindfulness. Mindfulness needs support. And uh, that, that definitely helps. And at the time, you know, you begin to develop some uh, wise thinking. You know, end of the day, beginning of the day, remember, it never gets done. Work never finishes, it never gets done. Whatever you do, people are going to complain about it. Never be good enough. Not everybody, but somebody will. It never gets finished, so what's the hurry? It's there to make sure you keep your job, really. <laughs> At a certain point, if your job is killing you, you better just, you know, is it got to start figuring out how much this is worth? And spiritual friends. So you do get a day break or a weekend break or an evening break, just. You know, switch stuff off and be with uh, Kalyanamita, spiritual friends. I think that's what I want to talk about, mention, uh, cover tonight, because we uh, get to a lot of talking 
and that's enough. I'm happy, but there's no point just filling your minds up with lots of more stuff. Um, So I hope some of that's useful, a little bit might be useful, and let's uh, have the opportunity to make good use of that.